0: Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord has been speaking to us about our need to have the fear of the Lord in our lives. The fear of the Lord. Somebody say the fear of the Lord. It's my hope and my prayer that each of us have been pursuing after and Thinking about this and contemplating this and wanting this and praying about this, a greater sense of the fear of the Lord in our lives. And I just want to say thank you for being here today. I know a bit of a challenge, but thank you for being here today. I believe God's going to help us. And I want to say again uh, that, and, and I don't know how I'm going, I might just teach today. Is that all right? But the fear of the Lord, that does not mean that we are to be afraid of the Lord. But it does mean that we are to reverence him. We are to honor him. We are to respect him. We are to obey him. We are submit—we are to submit our lives to him. Let me show you to you like this where we find that Moses had led God's people out of Egyptian bondage and He's brought them to this mountain called Sinai. And it's here where they encounter the purity of God. They encounter the gloriousness of God, the ferocity of God, the power of the living God. For the presence of the Lord, the Bible says, descended on top of that mountain with the sound of great thunderings. Oh, hallelujah. The sound of great thunderings. The sky was illuminated brilliantly as as thousands of lightning bolts danced across the sky and joined in with the sound of that deep and bellowing thunder was what the Bible would describe as the sound of many trumpets. Not only that, but God's presence was so thick on the mountain that it looked like smoke had engulfed the entirety of it all. And so here we see God's glory on display. Here we see the power of God being viewed by human eyes. Here we see the manifest presence of the Lord being encountered by humanity. And I want you to look at what their response was to experiencing God in His glory and His might. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 18. This was the people's response to that. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. So we see here that they were afraid of God. They encountered him, but they were afraid of God, So much so that the Bible says that they ran away in fear. And they said, Moses, you talk to us because we're afraid to talk to him. But I want you to look at how Moses responded and what Moses said back to them. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 20. And Moses said unto the people, fear not. For God has come to prove you and that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. Now at first read, this looks like Moses is contradicting himself. For it looks like Moses is saying, fear not, for the Lord wants to see if you have fear. But we need to understand that he's not talking about the same kind of fear. He's saying, I know the Lord's presence is awe-inspiring, and I know His glory is causing the mountains to flash and the lightning to flash and the thunder to roll and the mountains to smoke. But God wants you, God does not want you to be afraid of Him. He does not want you to be afraid of His, the manifestation of His power and of His glory and of His person. But He is revealing all of this to you. He is revealing his significant greatness to you in order to see if you will fear him. As in, will you honor him? Will you obey him? Will you submit your life to the gloriousness of him? Will you put him first in your life and that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not? Will you have such a respect for him? Will you have such a reverence for his holiness and for his righteousness that it causes you to put away from yourselves the sins that you know he would not be pleased with? Will you fear the Lord enough to obey his voice? Will you fear the Lord enough to submit your will to his will? Will the fear of the Lord cause you to love what he loves? Will the fear of the Lord cause you to hate what he hates? Hear me, it's not enough that we just love the things that he loves. We also must hate the things that he hates. For without the true fear of God, without the true fear of the Lord, we can get to a place where we do in fact love what he loves, but we don't truly hate what he hates. And we come into the presence of the Lord because we love the presence of the Lord. And we long to experience the touch of the Almighty because we love how we feel when we experience the touch of the Almighty. And yet we are still allowing things in our lives that we know he would not approve of. And we are making decisions with our lives that do not measure up to the word of the Lord. Why? Because we have enough fear of the Lord within us to love what he loves. But we don't have enough fear of the Lord within us to hate what he hates. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9. I need more sound, more monitor. More monitor, please. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Hear me. We need the fear of the Lord to so advance within us until we can get to that place where we not only love righteousness, but that we also hate sin and that we also hate iniquity. Well, pastor, that kind of teaching is just going to push people away from the Lord. Hear me. Hear me very carefully. The fear, the true fear of the Lord doesn't cause one to to depart from the Lord. The true fear of the Lord causes one to tremble at the very thought of even being a little bit away from the Lord. The fear of the Lord truly does not push you away. The fear of the Lord does not repel us from his glory. The fear of the Lord draws us closer to his glory. The fear of the Lord does not repel us from God, but the fear of the Lord compels us with the desire to get closer to him than what I've ever been before. The true fear of the Lord does not cause us to shadow and and, and to move away from the things of God, but the true fear of the Lord says, I want you more, I want you more, I want you more, I want you more. Love you Lord Jesus. I still need some more monitor. If somebody can help me, please. Psalms chapter 89 and verse 6 For who in the heaven, watch it now, Psalms 89 and 6 For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto? The Lord. In other words, there's nobody in the heavens that can compare to God. And there's nobody on this earth that can compare, even come close to God compare to the glory, the majesty, the holiness, and the righteousness of God. There is no king on this earth that can be likened unto our God. There is no president. There is no potentate. There is no leader. There is no prince. There is no one that can even come close to comparing to him. There is no power that may be operating in this earth that even comes close to being like him there's no leader like him there is no one like him and then the next verse says this psalms 89 and 7 god is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints jesus help us right now god is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. That word greatly there, greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. Greatly means to be to multiply or abundantly or to increase. And so we see that the word of the Lord is telling us that in this local assembly right here, and this is why the Lord's been talking to us about this, in this local assembly right here, the Lord, the fear of the Lord should abundantly be found. In this company of believers, the fear fear of the Lord should be increasing. It should ever increasing. In this church the fear of the Lord should be multiplying in our hearts. It should be multiplying in our minds. It should be multiplying in our spirits. We should feel it greater in our homes. We should feel it greater in our hearts. We should feel it greater when we pray. We should feel it greater when we come together. We should feel it greater in our services. The purity, the purity, the purity of the Lord should be greatly feared. The righteousness of his person should be greatly reverenced. The holiness of his being should be esteemed above all else. The fear of the Lord, hear me carefully now. Fear of the Lord won't allow us to sit unmoved in his presence. The only way one can sit unmoved in the presence of the Lord is if they do not have the fear of God in their lives. The fear of the Lord will not allow us to remain unchanged by his glory. The fear of the Lord will not allow us to goof around in the presence of the Holy One of Israel. The fear of the Lord won't allow that hidden sin to remain in our hearts and in our lives. The fear of the Lord will not allow us to watch everybody else pray, but we don't pray. And watch everybody else respond, but we don't respond. And watch everybody else go to the altar, but we don't go to the altar. The fear of the Lord will not allow us to resist His voice and reject His word in our lives. The fear of the Lord will not allow us to live two worlds at one time. The fear of the Lord will not allow us to remain uncommitted to the things of the Lord. God help us. I've walked into this sanctuary and the presence. Presence of the Lord was here and people were praying and as I've walked to the front I've walked past people that were on their phone on Facebook and doing stuff and playing games on their phones in the presence of a holy God in the house of the king of glory. We've got to get back to a fear and a reverence of the Lord where we would never think of getting on a phone in his presence and we would never think of talking to a neighbor about frivolous nothing when we are in the presence of an almighty God we've got to get back to the fear of the Lord come on somebody praise him ever-increasing, ever-increasing. Brother John, a little bit more, please. Let Let me take you back to the book, Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon. And they offered strange Fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. Another word, another word for strange fire in this context would be the word profane. And the word profane means to treat that which is sacred as common. To treat that which is holy as ordinary it means to have no real concern for the holy god that is in this room right now it means to have no willingness to submit your life to the one who is allowing your heart to beat right now his presence becomes so common and his presence becomes so ordinary and services like this become so normal to us that we feel as if we can just reject him and ignore him and disobey him and disregard him Jeremiah chapter 44 and verse 10. They are not humbled even unto this day neither have they feared nor have they walked in my law nor in my statutes that I set before you and before your fathers. Even he says to this day after everything I've done for them, even after all that I have blessed them with, even after I have kept them, even after I have blessed them, even after I have spared them, even Even after I have helped them, they still do not fear the Lord. He's nothing more than just another voice in my life that I will either listen to or not listen to depending on how I feel in the moment. He's just another voice, one of many. That I will either listen to or not listen to, depending on whether or not I agree with it in the morning. Church services become nothing more than something we endure for a few hours on a Sunday. Altar services become something that we merely tolerate uh, as we hurriedly, hurriedly anticipate uh, the close of a service. Uh, That's why others can be up here praying and crying and on their face, uh, and some are sitting in the back twiddling their thumbs, waiting. uh, For somebody to dismiss, so they can go home and do what they really wanted to do in this day. There's no fear of the Lord in our hearts. Services becomes something that we just tolerate, and the presence of the Lord is just something that we tolerate. And the fact the one, the one who was before time and the one who is after time, the fact that he is in this room right now does not matter, does not move us. Does it move us? The fact that God is in the room. Does that shake us? Does that move us? Does that motivate us? Does that captivate us? Does that get into our mind and into our hearts or into our spirits? Does it get somewhere deep down that the one who created everything is in this room right now? Does that change anything about us? I know I'm not preaching to everybody today, but I am preaching to me The fact that the eternal judge of all things is knocking on our heart's door. Does that elicit any kind of emotion from us? Does that elicit any kind of action from us? Does that elicit anything within us that causes us to respond? Or do we just check this and check that on our phones and goof around and think about everything we're gonna do? Are we connected? Are we aware Do we have an understanding that he is in the room? Why? Because the sacredness of his glory has become something that is common to us. And that's why we get our coats and we leave because altar service went longer than what we wanted it to go. We don't care, it's become common. It's become common. We're used to this. We're used to this. I felt his presence before. I felt his presence last Sunday. I'll feel his presence next Sunday. So I'm going to go ahead and go do what I want to do. And the sacredness of a holy God has become so common to us. Let's move on with the service preacher. Let's move on to the next thing preacher. If we can't here too long it's going to make the service that much longer preacher i know everybody's praying i know everybody's or, or a lot of people are praying but come on preacher let's move it along let's get to the message let's get to the close let's get to the altar so we can get to the conclusion so i can go home and do what i'm more passionate doing it's just another sunday it's just another move of his presence. It's just another touch from the divine. It's just another attempt on heaven's part to invade our domain. It's just another sovereign move of the Holy Ghost. It's just God's voice speaking to us. It's not that big a deal. The sacredness, the sacred, the sacred, the sacred, the holy, the righteous has become Common, common, common. So here we see that Nadab and Abihu treated the presence and the power of the Lord as nothing more than that which is ordinary and that which is common. And look at how God responded, Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 2. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them. And they died before the Lord. Now, I understand this is Old Testament. I understand that God dealt a bit differently with his people under the old covenant. I understand that. I understand that we're living under the time of grace and the time of mercy, but he is God and he changes not. So it may look differently, but in some form and in some fashion and at some point the judgment of the Lord is going to fall upon those that do not fear him. The book would say it like this in Romans chapter 11 and verse 22. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of the Lord, of God. Hear me very carefully right now. Please do not focus all of your attention on the goodness of God only. For in doing so, you may be tempted to live a life where the sacred things become common to you. The writer of Romans is telling us to behold, to gaze, to ponder, to search out, to be keenly aware of not just the goodness of God, but also the severity of God. Don't get so focused on the fact that he's a God of love that you forget that he's also a God of justice as well. Don't get so focused on his long-suffering nature that you also forget that his nature is holy and his nature is righteous. Don't allow the enemy to lull you into a place of complacency because of the beauty of God's grace and miss the very real reality of the severity of God. Behold the goodness and the severity. I want to keep both of those. both of those in my mind I want to keep both of those in my heart I'm thankful for the goodness of God I'm thankful for the grace of God I'm thankful for the mercy of God but he said don't just get don't just look at don't just dwell on don't just gaze at my goodness you also have to understand there has to be something within you that understands the severity of the Lord Be not deceived. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. I'd be very careful how you respond today. I'd be very careful how you respond even as I preach today. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Thank God that we are aware of the goodness of the Lord. And what the goodness of the Lord brings, it brings life everlasting. But we also need to know that the severity of the Lord allows those who do not fear him to reap the very real consequences of allowing the holy to become common. I don't need to go to church today. Got a little sniffle, got a little of this. It's not real convenient. I'm tired. Holy becomes common. Presence of the Lord becomes common. God will not be mocked. God will not be ignored forever. God will not be shunned continually. God will not always be disobeyed. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of the Lord. We need a revival of the fear of the Lord to rest upon this local congregation. of the fear of the Lord upon my life, God. I want it, 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 I want it. it. It's quiet today, that's all right. We need to understand that in order for the fear of the Lord to increase collectively, it must first increase individually. Individually in each and every one of our lives here today, the fear of the Lord must increase. So, what can we do? What can we do to increase the fear of the Lord in our lives? The book tells us, Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 18. Deuteronomy 17, 18. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of the law. He's talking about God's word. In a book out of that which is before the priest and the Levites. And it shall be with him. And he shall read therein all the days of his life. That he may learn to fear the Lord. That he may learn to fear the Lord his God. To keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. Notice I want you to see that having the fear of the Lord in our lives must be a learned spiritual behavior. It does not just automatically happen because we've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not just something that happens because I've been filled with the Holy Ghost and I've been in church a long time and I'm a pastor and I don't have the fear of the Lord in my life like I should, not by a long shot. To learn. So how do we learn to fear the Lord? How do we grow in the fear of the Lord? The passage shows us, Deuteronomy 17 and 19, it shall be with him, he shall read therein all the days of a life that he may learn to fear the Lord, he is God. It's talking about the word. We learn to fear the Lord by consistently reading the word and making a personal decision to be obedient to what It says, From this passage we are we see that it is impossible it is impossible to have a true and a sincere fear of the Lord if we are not reading the word studying the word and obeying God's word on a consistent basis It's quiet today It is impossible The only time we pick up the book is on Thursdays and Sundays. It is impossible to have a real fear of the Lord. It's not enough that we're involved in the gifts of the Spirit. It's not enough that we have some kind of ministry title or ministry position. It's not enough that we've been in church for 20 years. If we're not listening to the Word, if we're not reading the Word, if we're not studying the Word, if we're not obedient to the Word of the Lord in our lives, then the fear of the Lord is not good. Growing, learning to fear the Lord comes through obedience to his word. For Here's what the book says, Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 58. If thou will not observe to do all the words of this law, that are written in this book if you choose to not be obedient to this book if i choose to not be obedient to this book that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name the lord of the god the lord thy god so if i don't if i choose not to be obedient to this book and parts of this book or any part of this book that the lord has spoken to me then i don't have the fear of the lord in my life verse 59 then the lord will make thy plagues wonderful And the plagues of thy seed, even great plagues, and of a long continuance and sore sicknesses, and of long continuance. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseased of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. Also every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of the law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. Again, I understand full well this was written to a specific people at a specific time. But the principle here, the principle that we can learn from this, this passage is that negative things will happen to people who do not fear the Lord. And they will not grow in the fear of the Lord if they are not being obedient to the word of the Lord. It is a really big deal that we are obedient to the word of the Lord. This is not a game that we're playing. This is not a game that we're playing. This is the word of the Lord. And when we obey it, we are blessed and when we disobey it, we are cursed because it's His word. And it doesn't matter what we think it matters what his word says. and it doesn't matter how we feel, it matters how does he feel. and it doesn't matter what we say is right. I don't care what you think is right. And he doesn't care what you think is right. And he doesn't care what I think is right. The only thing he's concerned about is what he has already established to be right. And how dare the creation contradict the creator. How dare the creation stand face to face, toe to toe with the creator of the word who was the word And tell him we're not going to be obedient to that because I don't agree with it. That is an individual that does not have the fear. How can you have the fear of the Lord and defy him? How can you have the fear of the Lord and be disobedient to him? How can you have the fear of the Lord and not care what he thinks? Not care what he says, not care what he's asked, continuing to do what we want to do in complete violation to the word of the Lord. That's not an individual that has the fear of God in their lives. Uh, I know this is tough today, but the Lord's speaking to us. And how many know? How many know it's not always God in heaven? that's going to unleash his wrath upon an individual that doesn't have the fear of the Lord in their lives. For most of the time in the here and the now, what I know is that the individual person gets themselves into that place of great pain, into that place of great suffering because they do not fear the Lord. The book would say it like this in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 5. And I appreciate you listening so intently today, Proverbs chapter two and verse five. Then shalt the understanding, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, when you get understanding of the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of His mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. Notice, those who fear the Lord, those that will submit their lives to his control, those that will humble themselves before his mighty hand, those individuals will find the knowledge of God for their life. This isn't a negative message today. I know it's coming across hard and I know it's coming across strong and I know it's quiet but this is not a negative message today. It is for those that don't want to fear him but for those that do want to fear him and learn to fear him and grow and pray and desire and seek to fear him. It is the most beautiful message, wonderful message, glorious message you could ever hear. Why? Because the Lord says when I can find somebody that'll fear me, I've got knowledge for them. I've got wisdom for them. You want to know which way to go? I'll tell you which way to go. You want to know what choice to make in your life? I'll tell you what choice to make in your life. You want to know what decision to make that'll bring blessing and favor upon you and your family? I'll let you know what it is. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I tell you, I got stuff waiting for you. I've got wisdom waiting for you. I've got knowledge waiting for you. I'm so glad you fear me. Not because I'm some god that feels like this, want to punch you if you do something wrong. But I'm a god that says I want to bless you. I want to give to you. I want to restore you. I want to give you wisdom. I want to give you guidance. Ah. <sighs> Listen, you may be that I had this in the message. I took it out, and the Lord just told me to tell you. Let me tell you something. If there's those in this room that you at some point would like to get married, you put the fear of the Lord in your life. You seek after and learn and grow so that the fear of the Lord is dictating every bit of your life. And hear me, you will not pick the wrong person. witness in the house Amen. because the lord will direct you and the lord will speak to you and the one you think is perfect he'll say and the one you, and that's why that's why Jesus That's why some of you in this room right now who have sought after the fear of the Lord in your life, you had a relationship with somebody, and you thought it was the one. You thought it was the one. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, God stopped it. All of a sudden, out of the blue, the Lord spoke to you. All of a sudden, out of the blue, it just got cut off, and you didn't understand it. Now you do. Now you do because as you sought after the fear of the Lord, uh, the Lord began to direct you and he began to direct you. He began to give you wisdom and guidance and understanding uh, and he began to show you the path that he wanted you to go down. He's got wisdom laid up for the righteous. I love that. You know what it means? To me at least, Sister Fable, it's like a storehouse of wisdom. No 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 you you're missing this you're missing this listen i, I you know whatever how for, how old am i 44. I'm 44, so I got a few years ahead of me. And in those few years that are ahead of me, I'm going to make a lot of decisions. And I'm going to have to make a lot of decisions. I pray almost every day, God, give me the wisdom to lead myself, my family, and the church you've called me to pastor. I pray that all the time. I need wisdom for this. I need to know the direction. But I'm so glad because it's like God is saying, listen, all the stuff that you're going to have to decide on, all the stuff you're going to have to make decisions on, I've already got the answer. It's our It's already in a storehouse, because I know the end from the beginning. I've already got to the end. I've worked my way back to the beginning. I know everything about everything, everything you're gonna face, and in that decision 10 years from now, there's your answer. That decision 20 years from now, there's your answer. It's already in a storehouse. If you'll just fear me, if you'll just fear me when you need it, I'll say, here you go. And when you need the next answer, I'll say, here you go. I've already prepared it. I've already made it. I've already worked it out. I've already established it. If you'll just fear me. Come on, somebody praise him. Somebody said amen? And so we understand. We understand that there's two sides to all of this because though that is the blessing of the believer. That is the blessing of the one who fears the Lord. But those that do not fear the Lord, it puts the Lord in a powerless place. The fear of the Lord releases him. Without the fear of the Lord, it constricts him. Withholds him. He cannot move. He cannot bless. He cannot give wisdom. He cannot give guidance. He cannot give understanding, direction to those that do not fear him. And the reason is because as long as you're making the decision for the direction, you're not allowing him to. And when we get to the point where we feel like we can make the better decisions for our life, that is us. Saying with our actions We do not fear the Lord We want to be our own God Come on somebody We want to make our own decisions We want to do what feels good to us We want to do what we feel is right We want to do what brings us the most pleasure We want to live life how we want to live life What the book says has no real bearing on our lives. We don't go to scripture to find wisdom. We don't go to spiritual individuals to find answers. We're not going to the Lord in genuine prayer to get direction for our life because we feel like we know what's best. We do not have a fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools. Despise wisdom and instruction. You want wisdom, you want knowledge, it starts with the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of knowledge, it's the door that opens up the storehouse, the fear of the Lord. But fools despise wisdom and fools despise instruction. To fear and have a reverence for Him puts us in a place of listening and hearing His voice, but to not fear Him puts us in a place of despising wisdom and instruction, and we end up doing foolish things. And that's not the will of God for our lives. Hear me, that's not the will of God for our lives. Jesus, help us right now. Anybody feel the Lord talking? Is there anybody that would have enough of the fear of the Lord in your life to want to say, God, I want your word? So it is that here's the place that the Lord would get us to. See, this is an attribute that shows up in a life that fears him. Ready? Isaiah 66 and verse 2. For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been said, saith the Lord. But to this man, to this man will I look, The heavens is saying, the Lord is saying, I'm going to look upon this man. I'm going to focus my attention on him. Even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. The eyes of the Lord are upon those that tremble at his word. This is, this is a two-part series just in itself. I'm going to do it in two minutes. Tremble at his word. You know what that means? It means to obey him instantly. You, are, you tremble at his word. You are so in awe. You are so, you so reverence the word. That when it's spoken to you, preached to you, when you read it for yourself and the word of the Lord speaks to your heart, you obey it instantly. It also means that we obey it even if we disagree with it. I tremble at your word. In my flesh, I may disagree but I tremble at your word to the point where I will absolutely submit my will to your word. And we obey him to tremble at his word. It also means to obey him and his word even when it hurts. I know I'm bringing some heavy stuff today, but to tremble at his word means I will obey your word even when it hurts. Anybody ever been there? And to tremble at his word means that we are obedient to his word even when we do not see the benefit of doing so. You see because you don't have to tremble at his word to be obedient if you feel it's going to benefit you in some way. That's that that's just a selfish nature. Yeah, I'll do it because it's going to bless me. I'll do it because it's going to help me. So I'll do that. I don't have any problem doing that because I know some way it's coming back on me. But to tremble at his word means to be obedient to his word even when you don't see how it's going to benefit you at all. God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to say yes to it anyway. Come on, Jesus. 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 14 if ye will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. And I'll study this and I was looking at this because when it says Continue following the Lord your God. What it, The literal translation is that the Lord will continue to lead you. It doesn't mean that if you'll do these things, you can stay behind him. It's saying if you do these things, he will say, okay, I'll keep leading you. You see the difference? The fear of the Lord is to obey his word. And to obey his word keeps us in a place where the Lord can direct us and keeps us in a place where the Lord can lead us and keeps us in a place where the Lord will guide us. But the moment we disregard his voice is the moment we're on our own and we choose the path we go. Oh, hallelujah. I'm gonna close with this. I'm going to close with this. The Lord speaks to Abraham. Just a few more minutes and we'll be done. The Lord speaks to Abraham. By this time his son, his only son Isaac, teenager, whatever it was, young teen. and The Lord speaks to Abraham and he says, I want you to offer your only son on an altar. Abraham didn't understand the request. It didn't make sense to him. It hurt him and he saw no benefit in it at all. And yet he says, Let's go. I don't understand your word. It doesn't make sense. It hurts. He's my only son. I don't see what you're doing. I don't see none of it at all, God. But we're going. We're going. And you know what's interesting about this? I believe it says that after the Lord spoke to him these words and these commands that it was three days later that they began their journey. If I read it right, it's three days after he spoke to them that they began the journey. And I believe, Brother Ron, I believe it was almost like God was saying, you know, in the moment, Abraham, when I'm speaking to you, my voice is speaking to you. How many know if the Lord spoke to you? Probably in an audible voice. You're going going to perk up a little bit, and you're probably going to say some stuff, and you're probably going to promise some stuff. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever been in an altar and felt the presence of God so powerfully, and you made all kinds of commitments to God? Anybody ever go back on those commitments? And so I just have to wonder if that was something that God was testing Abraham with, and he was telling him, I want you to do this, and I want you to sacrifice this, and I want you to be willing to put this thing to death. But I don't want you to do it right now. I'm going to give you three days to think about it. I'm going to give you three days of not hearing my voice. Three days of not hearing me confirm what I ask you. Three days of just you contemplating the commitment you made to me. And your willingness to say yes to me. I want to see after three days if you'll still follow through with your commitment. So it was on the third day. Third day. He gets up and he gets Isaac and they get the fire and they get the wood and they start heading up to to the mountain. And they get up to the top and they get the altar together and he gets his boy and he ties him up and he lays him on that altar. And the Bible says he took the knife and he's about to plunge it into his boy. Genesis 22 and 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand. Come on, Jesus, help us right now. And he took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad. Neither do, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. Seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from You want to know the litmus test that God is asking each and every one of us in this room today as I close. In order to see if we have the fear of the Lord in our lives, what is he asking you to sacrifice? Come on now. What is he asking you to kill out of your life? What is the Lord asking you to remove From your being. What is the Lord asking you to get rid of? What is the Lord asking you to do. That is so difficult for you to do. In the flesh. What is the Lord asking you to crucify? What mindset? What philosophy? What dream? Is he asking you. Will you be willing to kill it? Will you be willing to lay it on an altar. And to kill it. If I ask you. What is, it? what is it what is it what is that thing in my life what is that thing in my life that that causes me to struggle that I know the Lord is telling me to get rid of crucify it sacrifice it out of my life how many know everything's not a sin but there are some things that are weights that slow us down and hinder us and weigh us down so as to not be able to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish and he's asking this room what are you willing to do? Are you willing to put that thing on the altar? Are you willing to sacrifice that thing? Not just at an altar where you come up and tell me you'll do it but after three days or three weeks or three months are you still going to be committed to what I ask you to do? And he's telling somebody in the room if you will be willing to do what I ask you to do and sacrifice what I ask you to sacrifice, then will I know and you know the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is upon you. We can shout. We can shout all day long and it does not prove the fear of the Lord. I'm done. We can dance. We can look the part, we can shake hands, we can dress right, we can talk right, we can do everything right, and it doesn't prove the fear of the Lord. What the Lord is asking in this room tonight is today is this. What I've asked you to sacrifice, will you sacrifice? What I've asked you to be obedient to in my word, will you be obedient to in my word? Because if I find that quality in you, I will know you fear the Lord. Stand to your feet if you would. Lift your hands, close your eyes. Lift your voice in response to the presence of the Lord and to the word of the Lord right now if you would.